Hello, and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we're discussing Silver Linings Playbook. The Silver Linings Playbook was written by Matthew Quick and published in 2008. And the film adaptation was directed by David R. Russell and came out in 2012. Starring Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper. And Robert De Niro and... Famous people are in it. Uh, Chris Tucker, just like a crazy cast. It's kind of interesting. This was the first movie in like, I have to think about it, like 10 years or something where it got nominated for Best Actor, Actress, Supporting Actor, and Supporting Actress. Oh, wow. And then it got all of the big five nominations, which was like Best Picture, Director, Screenplay, and then Actor and Actress. Wow. And uh, David O. Russell did this same feat the following year with uh, American Hustle. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So he kind of had these two back-to-back really great years with two really solid movies. Yeah. And I think Jennifer Lawrence was the only one to win, though. Out of the actors. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I don't know about writing and other stuff like that, but definitely out of the actors. Yeah. She's so good in this movie. She's very good. She's... Everyone's good. Yeah. Everyone's really, really good in the movie. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, little little Oscar tidbit for you before we begin. <laughs> uh, and if you can't tell, we uh, did watch the movie before we read the book. Um, I think I saw this movie with you uh, pretty soon after we first started dating. I remember seeing it at college. There was like a little movie theater in our college See yeah, it. I have I have no memory of this, but <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> I think we saw a lot of movies in that little theater. So. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I really, uh, without getting too much into it now, I just like David O. Russell. I haven't seen his earliest stuff. Yeah. So I Heart Huckabees, um, Three Kings, but The Fighter, Silver Linings, American Hustle, and Joy. Yeah. Um, his more recent movies I'm all familiar with, and... I don't know. He captures like crazy dysfunctional families so well. He does. Yeah. (laughs) That's like basically his whole thing in the past, like four or five movies he's done is just horrible, dysfunctional families (laughs) and their drama to varying degrees of horrible. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, should we get into the, the story a little bit? Yeah. Let's start with the main character, Pat. Mm-hmm. Pat Peoples or Pat something else in the movie. Who oh, is cares? it different? Yeah. Oh, I forget. <laughs> His name is Pat and he just got out of a uh, mental psychiatric brain treatment type facility. Mm-hmm. Um, and he in the book is actually writing the book. So the book is written from his perspective and it's sort of like his own memoirs. So that's sort of an interesting spin. Like he's actively writing it. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, it starts with him being released because I guess they like took away his journals while he was in yeah. the psychiatric hospital. So he's kind of starting again. Mm-hmm. And his mom has kind of like convinced the courts, I guess. You know, he's in there because of some incident. Yeah. And, you know, as part of his plea deal, he had to go to a psychiatric hospital. That's in the movie. In the movie. Oh, it's mm-hmm. not. Oh, OK. It's not specified in the book. OK. As to why. How long he's been there, you know? Yeah, that I did know. Yeah. So, um, in the movie, yeah, it's some part of uh, a plea deal where he had to be 
in this psychiatric facility for a certain amount of time. Um, and so his mom comes to get him out. And we know in the movie right off the bat, he's been in there eight months. Yeah. In the book, though, it's very vague, purposefully, mm-hmm. as to how long he's been in there. Yeah. Pat thinks it's been a few months, but he's, like, not totally sure. Yeah. Uh, but that would be his guess is a few months. Mm-hmm. And Pat is such an interesting uh, character. He, he, there's some differences, some variances between the movie. Yeah. Um, interpretation of him. In the book, I mean, in both versions, he is an extremely optimistic person. Yeah. Believes in silver linings. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the movie, he has the motto Excalibur. Excelsior. Or Excelsior. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know, he just says Excalibur. <laughs> and he pulls out a sword. <laughs> that was amazing. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Excelsior. <laughs> Excelsior. <laughs> I kind of like Excalibur better. <laughs> oh my god uh yeah excelsior <laughs> and he's you know just always trying to look at the bright side always think he believes deep down that things are going to work out yeah and he's kind of been changing his life he's been turning his life around since being um put in the psychiatric hospital yeah he started working out we know before that he was kind of overweight and not in very good shape and now mm-hmm. he's running he's lifting weights he's you know in the best shape of his life yeah. And he kind of has this outlook on life that like from here on out, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm doing better. I'm mm-hmm. learning how to do things. And his goal is to get back together with his estranged wife, Nikki. So we know that him and his wife are separated at this point. Um, obviously, we, we assume that it's because of um, whatever happened to get him into the psychiatric facility. But he's like, I'm going to win her back. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to do it for her. Not only am I going to be like super fit and hot looking, mm-hmm. but I'm also going to read her entire English syllabus because she's an English teacher. Yeah. So I'm going to read all the books because she always wanted me to be more uh, literary. And I'm also going to try to be... Uh, he talks a lot in the book about being kind, not right. Um, yeah. Which I think is just like kind of a nice philosophy to have in general. Like, yeah, like yeah. you know, don't be an asshole, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just be nice to people. So he, he talks a lot about trying to be nicer to people. There's this really interesting difference between uh, the book and movie versions. The movie version of Pat is incredibly blunt. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. doesn't really think before he talks in a lot of ways. And I think that's because in the book... His writing yeah. and what he writes is incredibly blunt. He's very oh yeah outspoken about like what he thinks of people and what he thinks people. He just doesn't say are. it out loud. Yeah, but he doesn't say. And in fact, in the book, he oftentimes holds himself back from saying things. Yeah, but is constantly you know writing them down. Like oh, I decided to be kind instead of right. Yeah, and not bring up this issue or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but in the movie, he has this just really hilarious just way of putting things out there constantly. Yeah. Um, so it was a change that makes sense, but it's kind of a, a funny difference between their, their characters, but yeah. also a similarity. Uh, another funny thing in the book is that Pat is always talking about how his life is a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is funny to think about it actually turning into a movie (laughs) but like he talks about how like in every movie there's like you know you you always hit rock bottom and then you come back up and there's going to be these climactic Mm -hmm. moments and the plot is thickening and basically he's just like my life is going to be like a movie and it's going to have a happy ending and he's not even watching movies at this point in his life because he's like i'm 
he's like, I'm taking care of the movie of my life right now. That's the movie I'm watching. I can't be distracted by other movies. (laughs) (laughs) So in both uh, of the stories, Pat is moving home with his parents. Yeah. Uh, His mom and his dad. And Pat is 35. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in both, just in a general way, in both stories, it's kind of this very, he's reverting to this childlike state. state, Yeah. uh, In terms of like living at home, his mom is one of those like saintly moms who oh, like, yeah. does so much for him and is so kind. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of puts him in this state of like relying on her a lot and living at home and letting her do a lot of the, the, you know, the cooking and the cleaning. Yeah. And he doesn't, he doesn't drive or he doesn't have his license anymore. Yeah, yeah. So she kind of drives him around and then, uh, a couple times when he needs to go somewhere, like he has no money because he has no job. So his mom like gives him money. Yeah. So it's almost like he's a teenager and his, his mom's like, okay, I'll drop you off at the mall and here's some money. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> it, it's funny. But then again, I think probably a lot of people who are in this kind of situation. Yeah. Like that's probably their reality. Like you can't mm-hmm. drive. You don't have a job anymore. You don't have money. Like, if what you, do you do? You're really lucky if you still have your parents and you can live with them. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that support network, I don't know what you do. Yeah. Um. But, you know, he, it, it is this kind of almost comical situation of him reverting back to this childlike situation. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Pat's parents, um, they all live in New Jersey in the book and in like the Philadelphia area in the movie. Actually, I do. Th- I think it's the... Oh, yeah. No, I guess it is the movie that they're in probably in the Philadelphia area. Mm-hmm. Okay. My bad. <laughs> I mean, he they're close to Philadelphia no matter where you are. Yeah. Like, they're just, like, in in on the Jersey side, basically, of Philly, so. Reading the book earlier uh, today, finishing it, they mentioned him living in New Jersey. I'm like, ah, it's New Jersey in both, but then I remembered that wasn't, that was <laughs> the one that we knew he was in New Jersey already. <laughs> I get mixed up. <laughs> Yeah, so they're in the Philadelphia area, no yeah. matter what. And uh, yeah, and then there's Pat's dad, who is a very different character between the book and the movie. Yeah. In the movie, he's played by Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. Amazingly, Robert De Niro does such a good job with this role. He, he does. He brings the comedy. He was born to play this role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not Taxi Driver. No, not in The this Godfather. <laughs> yeah, not Raging Bull. It's this movie. Yes. It took him until he's like eighty to find the role he was born to play. Because he he loves football and is super into the Eagles, but is also kind of like OCD a little bit. Yeah, and kind of um can get really intense, but also really loves Pat and like wants to kind of build a relationship with him. I think realizing with everything that happened that he wants to help Pat. Um, so he's always trying to get him to like watch the games with him and you can tell like that's the way he knows how to bond. So he's like reaching out the only way he knows how. Yeah. And you know, he doesn't handle everything in the best ways all the time, but it's so obvious that he is trying and there's some really sweet moments between them in the movie that are really touching. And I really enjoy, Mm -hmm. uh, the the book, though, he is this very, very re- emotionally removed character. Yeah. He doesn't talk to Pat for, like, the first couple weeks he's home, I think. Yeah, doesn't even look at him. hmm Yeah, it's very, um, he's very emotionally manipulative and emotionally abusive as well. 
Um, and they talk about how he never really eats dinner with them. It's kind of always in his study, just avoiding the family. Um, and then how he gets kind of angry at Pat and eventually he, he does kind of try to reach out a little bit. He like leaves the sports page for him, like on the Ugh, steps. Yeah. And that's like his only olive branch. But, uh, the dad is just very emotionally closed off and, um, yeah, manipulates his family into kind of giving him what he wants. He, he it's just like not good. It's really sad too. Cause he doesn't really have any kind of growth no. through the story. You know, there's it's this classic thing where at one point Pat's thinking back to his wedding. Yeah. Excuse me. And he remembers seeing his dad in the audience, in the crowd crying. Yeah. And it's like, that's supposed to be our indication of like, oh, he does care. Yeah. So we're just supposed to forgive all his actions throughout the entire story, how he doesn't express any kind of love or emotion or empathy Towards for his Pat. his wife or to or, his son. Yeah. yeah. Like... I hate that. I hate that. Oh, he's an older man. So we have to accept the way he expresses himself by not expressing himself at all. Yeah. And I don't think they really accept it. I think it's pretty obvious how crappy the dad is. No, you're right. Yeah. But, but they do have that that little bit to kind of show you that maybe there is more to him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that doesn't wipe away all the crap that he did. And there is conflict in the story that we'll get to around the father, you know, kind of setting up potential growth, but then just not going anywhere with it. Yeah. Uh, I, I do like, though, that in the movie, his dad kind of having OCD tendencies. Yeah. Because this is something that the movie does really well, I think, is that it kind of shines a light on uh, mental health among people who, you know, are undiagnosed, undiagnosed. Yeah. Who maybe didn't spend uh, months in a psych ward, but clearly have their own issues. Yeah. And kind of just blurring that line between what's What's healthy, what's not, what's normal, what's abnormal behavior. And also kind of showing how some people might cope with uh mental illness or you know issues that they have in different ways um yeah super interesting um i like that his dad in the movie kind of had some of these tendencies as well yeah yeah uh let's talk about cliff his psychologist for a little bit yeah this is a i really like this part of the story in both the book and the movie yeah um dr patel slash cliff um, it's just this really nice guy who, you know, Pat is clearly delusional, like mm-hmm. obviously delusional. He talks about how he and Nikki are going to get back together. Their love's going to be great. Like he loves her so much. He's doing so much. And everyone's telling him like, Pat, Nikki has a restraining order against you. Pat, Nikki's gone. She's not coming back. Pat, like she's not good for you. Like, can't you see this? And he refuses to believe it. Um, but Dr. Patel just kind of goes along with it, you know, Yeah. he's just like, okay, well let's talk about other things and like, let's get you on the road to like learning to deal with your condition and trying to get better. Um, and so he doesn't like belittle or demean Pat. He's just mm-hmm. like really generous and accepting of him. Yeah. Um, and just kind, you know, wants him to talk about how he's feeling. I just really liked all their interactions because Pat immediately, trusts him Mm -hmm. because cliff isn't dismissive of him you know he's not like 
snap out of it, you know, like he, he's just really kind towards Pat and Pat feels like he can trust him. Yeah, and, and Cliff makes an effort to connect with Pat on more than just like doctor patient yeah. level. Like he really tries to um just be a kind person who's like kind of first and foremost just there to listen to him and listen yeah. to his problems and give him an outlet and then provide, you know, constructive feedback and everything. Yeah, the the book gets into uh his sessions a lot more than the movie. Yeah. And I think arguably a lot of what he does probably isn't um, the best thing for like uh, a psycho- a psychologist to do. Uh, I won't get into it, like, because it's about plot points later on. But that aside, uh, I do just think that like its depiction, its positive depiction of yeah. therapy is mm-hmm. the most important aspect. Whether some of the things he recommends are good or bad, and you know, I've never been to a psychologist, and I don't know what is like a healthy interaction with one yeah, and you know how they should help you with your problems necessarily. But I just think that clearly in the story, Pat likes Cliff a lot. It's helping him mm-hmm. and he's being able to sort out his problems, which I think is something that, you know, needs to be depicted a lot more. Well, I- and he talks to about how, especially in the book, cause it's more detailed in the book about how Pat doesn't really have people to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his dad is, you know, closed off, won't discuss anything with him. His mom, he doesn't really want to upset her because he can tell she cares and she's trying to make things work with him. Um, and he has, you know, some friendships in his friend Ronnie and his brother Jake. And then, you know, with Tiffany later on. But um, there are parts in the book where he talks about, like, needing to talk to Cliff about certain things that have happened and really wanting to discuss with him, um, which I think is good that he feels like he has that outlet. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about another outlet and major plot point of the, of both stories. And that's football. Yeah. And the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. Um, probably our least. Oh man. Um, I'm sorry to anyone out there who likes football or any <laughs> sport of any kind. It's weird. Cause like my family was just not a sports family. Yeah. So I never grew up watching any kind of sport. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's really foreign and strange to just sit and watch that. And I don't care about it. <laughs> I mean, my dad and my brother, my brother grew up playing sports. My dad always watched sports, mm-hmm. not to an extreme extent, you know, but yeah. a, a normal, uh, healthy American amount of sports. American sports. American. <laughs> um, but I never, I mean, the only reason I know how football's played because I was in marching band for five years yeah. in high school. Um <laughs> I I've been to one NFL game and it was the worst. I hated it. I went to a Steelers game and I mean, first of all, it was raining and the weather was just awful. Yeah. But then just like the drunken fans. I just Ugh. hate that atmosphere. Yeah. Um, Had to use the bathroom at one point. The bathrooms are just disgusting. Ugh. The most disgusting thing. And in the book. He talks about at the uh, the previous stadium before the new one was constructed for the Philadelphia Eagles. He said like all of the he's like, oh, and at this new stadium, it's so nice because people don't piss in the sinks because of the old stadium. All of the sinks were used as like additional urinals. Oh, my God. Like that is (sighs) awful. That is so terrible to even think about. Oh, my God. So, uh, yeah, neither of us 
is has a <laughs> We're not exactly qualified to discuss this part of the super positive opinion of specifically football. I'll go to a baseball game. Yeah. It's just super chill. And you know, you just sit around, eat some hot dogs, watch tune in and out of the game as you feel you need to. Yeah. Yeah. The pierogi <laughs> races, you know. Yeah. The pierogi races. <laughs> yeah. Uh but that's, a, that's a Pittsburgh thing. If is. anyone isn't from Pittsburgh, <laughs> they, a bunch of people dress up in pierogi outfits and they run around the during one of the intermissions. They run around the the <laughs> field. It's great. It's great. It's, it's fun for time. the whole family. Um, I can kind of appreciate the idea of this camaraderie between Jake and his brother, um, and his dad kind of bonding over the sports and in the book there are a lot of scenes where jake and pat go to the games together mm-hmm. so it's kind of cool he runs into his therapist a lot there because uh, yeah. cliff is a huge eagles fan which is great and uh so there's a lot of that in the book there's some of it in the movie um but yeah i don't know like the tailgating like some of it sounds fun but also some of it just sounds like a bunch of crazy people getting drunker and drunker and drunker and yeah. picking fights with each other for the sake of yeah getting drunk and yeah in the book there's a scene where his brother Jake is a huge asshole and yeah. kind of starts this fight yeah and it's kind of a big moment for the the book and the movie uh they play out a little differently in the book Jake starts this picks on this uh, Giants fan yeah. in the parking lot who ends up picking a fight with Pat yeah and and his brother Jake. Mm-hmm. And when he attacks Jake, Pat kind of snaps a little bit. Yeah. And just lays out this Giants fan. Just, you know, gives, really him, gives him a one two yeah. and just knocks him on the pavement. And Pat like immediately feels so horrible and like runs away and is freaking out. Yeah. Because he's he's trying his best to keep himself in check and not get in fights or confrontations with anyone. And so yeah. it's like the worst thing that could have happened. Mm-hmm. In the movie, I did like in the movie that uh, it's another Eagles fan. Yeah. And he's picking on his. So um, his psychiatrist also comes to the game. Yeah. And in both versions, he comes on this bus called the Asian Invasion. Yeah. Because his doctor's Indian. Mm -hmm. And in the movie, another Eagles fan starts picking on everyone just for being Indian. Yeah. uh, You know, just being a racist asshole. And that's kind of what sparks the fight. Mm -hmm. So I like that it was less about uh, football rivalry. Yeah. Um, And more of just like Pat defending. I mean, in both cases, Pat defends his brother. It's not until his brother starts getting hit or involved that Pat mm -hmm. actually gets involved. But yeah, they do play out differently. It was just kind of, it's sad. (laughs) It is. Like that these fights can, I mean, these fights can happen anywhere, but... It seems especially prone to happen at football games. In fact, we're told that um, Pat's father yeah. actually um, got into a huge fight um, at one of the Eagles games in the past. In the book, he um, is actually arrested for aggravated assault and goes to prison for a time. Mm. Um, and they almost lose the house. It's like a whole thing. Yeah. And then he he's like... It, refuses to go to any more games um because of what he did and in the movie it's a little lighter he just like (laughs) beat the shit out of a bunch of people and then the stadium banned him for life so he can't go now and it's kind of a passing comment almost yeah uh, and just a reason why his dad can't go but Mm -hmm. yeah so clearly drawing that connection between 
Pat's problems and maybe his dad's problems, yeah. probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but football. And in the movie, uh, Pat is Pat seems much less uh, connected to football. Yeah. It's it, it's really more his dad's thing. Uh-huh. His dad trying to get him to go yeah, to the games and, and watch the games. Yeah, and use it as a means to connect with him. Pat seems to care less in the movie. Yeah. Uh, in the book, he seems much more engaged and interested in it. Uh, and there's one character who he wears his jersey. Yeah. Uh, I already forget his name. Me too. And I don't know if it was, I don't think it was a real person probably, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like he has this connection with this player now because whenever he does well, he feels good about it and people start calling him by the player's name. Yeah. So kind of building that football connection. The book connects what's going on with football enough to the actual story and characters that it's not too much of a drag. Yeah, no, it works. I think every, it's not just like, let's talk about football now. Like, it's part of the story. Yeah. And it's part of Pat's development and Pat's interactions with his brother and with his friends. So it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and that made it like less awful for me. Um, <laughs> but it was still kind of like, oh, okay, like we're in the football part now. Like, <laughs> yeah, by the time you're like, three quarters of the way through the book. It's like, okay, I'm kind of done reading about the scores and the, you know, football players and all that stuff. So, um, should we talk about the incident? Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we kind of glossed over that. Yeah. So, um, in the movie, we kind of get told right away what happened, um, to put Pat into the mental health health facility, but in the book, it's actually alluded to a lot, and it's sort of the mystery of the book. Yeah. What exactly transpired? I kind of said that weird. I said, like, transpired. <laughs> transpired. <laughs> <laughs> what happened uh, that put Pat in the uh, psychiatric hospital? We we know it was something violent. And yeah. there's also, he has a scar. That they always his, mention. Yeah. He yeah. always kind of hits himself on his scar uh, on his forehead when he's getting really frustrated, mm-hmm. which I figured was probably going to be a divergence from the movie yeah uh in the movie we know that he was undiagnosed bipolar yeah and um but the incident is similar but that's kind of uh more the reasoning for a lot of his problems in the movie is he's undiagnosed bipolar yeah the incident plays out roughly the same in both versions he comes home after work Mm-hmm. One day and early, early. <laughs> oh, it, it, you know, it's going to be bad when he's home early <laughs> and he finds his wife in the shower with a coworker, another teacher. Yeah. And she they're listening to their wedding song. Yeah. While they're fucking in the shower. Yeah. And Pat just loses it. Mm-hmm. And he starts beating the shit out of this other guy mm-hmm. and almost kills him. He almost beats him to death. Yeah. And in the movie... It's kind of to that point, like that's all that happens. Like, yeah. And that puts him in the psych psychiatric mm-hmm. hospital uh, in the book, though, to stop him. His wife hits him over the head yeah. with the C- uh, CD player. Mm-hmm. And when he falls, he hits his head on the faucet yeah. of the bathroom. And it's interesting because um, we actually find out that Pat. It's not quite a mental health facility. It's sort yeah. of a, a neural brain clinic. Um, for patients with traumatic brain injuries. Yeah. So, um, and everyone there had a brain injury. He talks about everyone having a scar Mm -hmm. on their head. Yeah. And, uh, 
So it's a little bit different. Um, and they don't ever say what, uh, Pat's psychiatric diagnosis is, um, Mm -hmm. in the book. Uh, he does have depression. So he at least kind of has that. I would, I would be like, I wouldn't be surprised if the bipolar was still in the book as well. Yeah. To me, this is kind of, I don't know what to say. Maybe a little bit of a cop out. I feel like a head injury kind of leaves it more ambiguous. It does. And you can kind of create whatever character you want to without worrying too much about... It fitting a specific diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is... He does feel more bipolar in the movie. He does. And they definitely go that route. Yeah. In the book, he has delusions... Not just delusions, but like actual like hallucinations. Yeah. Almost. And his childlike demeanor and kind of um delusions about certain things it's hard to pinpoint but i I do appreciate that the movie made him bipolar and just said it and just said it yeah. yeah and kind of made it tried to probably make it more relatable in that regard yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah and in the book a lot of his behavior could just be blamed on the brain injury. Yeah. And kind of the aftermath of that. And it's not super specific either about like what kind of trauma he has or what his brain prognosis is now. Like, mm-hmm. um, he doesn't remember cause for the whole book, he doesn't, he refuses to remember the incident and what happened. And he also doesn't remember how long he's been in the neural health facility. So he thought it was just a few months It turns out he was actually there for four years, which is kind of shocking because like what kind of mental state was he in if he doesn't remember any of that? Yeah. It's sort of troubling. And uh, also his friends and family are all like, hey, sorry, I didn't visit you. Like you didn't go to see him for like four years. Yeah. Like that's fucked up. Yeah. Like his friend Ronnie, who didn't visit him. And it's and it's also odd because they kind of keep up this charade in the book of pretending like it's only been a few months. Yeah. And I'm like, this can't be the healthy way to deal with this situation. <laughs> no, no. Uh, same with uh, his wife. There's things about his wife that everyone knows that they're not telling him. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's like, I can't wait to reconnect with my wife. And I'm like, this is Uh-oh. bad. This is, <laughs> there's got to be things that they can do. Yeah, that should be set up beforehand. Yeah, I don't know. Unless they felt like it would push him back into whatever state he was in before, which is never specified, but probably wasn't good if he doesn't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a whole house of cards Yeah, on a thing of dominoes, just like all ready to collapse at any moment. Mm-hmm. But luckily, he's so delusional that even when like the signs are so obvious, <laughs> like Ronnie has a three-year-old daughter. Yeah. And he's like, weird. How you, could that be? How, you you know, you didn't Best have a daughter. Best not to think about yep. it. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have a daughter when I went in, but now you have a three-year-old daughter. Oh, well, let's, I guess it's just let's been. Let's think about something else now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's talk about Ronnie and Ronnie, Veronica. I love Ronnie in the movie. Oh, Ronnie is so great in the movie. <laughs> it's a similar setup in the book where his wife is you know what they deem a ball buster yeah just meaning that she kind of keeps his schedule and he kind of has to answer to her she's definitely more of a ball buster in the movie than in the book yeah yeah i'd say so and i think they emphasize it because ronnie's character is so like (laughs) 
<laughs> afraid of her. <laughs> There's so many great scenes. Like one at the dinner party when yeah. he like pulls Pat aside mm-hmm. and he's like, or he's like, yeah, things are great. Things are, they're wonderful. And he's like, they're not great. <laughs> things I, I can't. It just feels like. And the then pressure. He, the pressure. I feel like I'm, I'm being choked. I can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> and then in another scene, he talks about like going to his garage and blasting Metallica. Yeah. And he's like. And I, I like hit stuff with my hands until like, Pat's like I hurt my that's hand. That's not healthy, man. Like <laughs> I love Pat. He's like, that's fucked up. Yeah. That's not healthy. No, you gotta no. deal with your shit, man. <laughs> and this goes back to the whole like a lot of people have like kind of undiagnosed shit that they're not dealing with. Exactly. Including yeah. Ronnie, like this repressed like anger, anger and mm-hmm. frustration and him not dealing with like his and not communicating problems. with his partner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In the book, he's not as intense. Yeah. Um, but they are kind of like the normals in Pat's life and the normies, the normies and Ron, Ronnie kind of like adopts Pat and then, um, Veronica, is sisters with Tiffany. And so between the two of them, they're just kind of like trying to manage these two people that are like kind of weird. And in the book, they talk a lot about how uh, Ronnie and Veronica always talk to Pat and Tiffany like they're children. Mm -hmm. They're always like, oh, isn't it a nice day out today? Oh, look at the sunshine. Like you would talk to a (laughs) three-year-old. Like, don't don't you like when we go out to picnics? Like, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And at dinner in the book, it's so funny the way they describe it. Where it's just Ronnie and Veronica talking about each of them to yeah. the other. Uh-huh. Like Tiffany. In the third person. Yeah, Tiffany, did you know uh, Pat is a real history buff? Or Pat, did you know Tiffany's into dancing? <laughs> yeah. And it's just that back and forth for like the entire dinner. Yeah. Also, I have to point out that Ronnie and Veronica kind of have the same name. Yeah, they do a little bit. Because Ronnie is a nickname for Veronica. Yeah, does anyone call someone named I've never heard that nickname, although I guess I don't know any Veronicas, so. I mean, I don't know any personally, but I've read quite a few books that have mm. a main character's name is yes. Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the movie, though, this is so great, though, because this is when we're introduced to Jennifer Lawrence as yes. Tiffany. And she is a breath of very cool and <laughs> very goth air. She's so, <laughs> yeah, she, she's got the whole, because we find out that her husband died. Uh, while Pat was in the psychiatric yeah. hospital, and he he kind of knows Tiffany and kind of knew her husband through a little Veronica, bit, I yeah, think. through Veronica. So he knows enough. Like, oh, Tommy died. Like, you know, how would he die? But yeah, um, Jennifer Lawrence is just, I, I she just her, her comedic chops in this movie are so great, and yeah. so are um, Bradley Cooper's as Pat's. Yeah, and the, just seeing them t- together click in these scenes are so funny. <laughs> There's one moment where they're being shown around Veronica's house Mm -hmm. and she has this kind of modernist, like weird thing in the wall and she's trying to get them to guess what it is. Yeah. I I, I don't I I don't know. A bookshelf. Uh, And then she's like, no, no, keep guessing. Keep guessing. Uh, A drawer. I don't know. Keep guessing. I don't know. A morgue where you pull a body out. (laughs) 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 Tiffany's dark humor just is so great in these scenes. Uh, she dresses all in black, probably because of the morning, but mm-hmm. also because she hates everyone, and I love it. <laughs> Apparently, they were going to go even more goth mm. with it, but producer of the movie, Harvey Weinstein, oh, no. wasn't a fan of the oh, overly no. goth look. <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, I think the look that she has in the movie works. Yeah. I would have been happy with a harder goth. <laughs> I would have too. I would have enjoyed that. Yeah. Because she's like, she's in mourning for God's sake. Like, yeah. she can do whatever the fuck she wants. Let her get her hot topic on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, she's great. They have this dinner that ends pretty abruptly. Um, but they have this great conversation in the movie where they talk to each other about the different drugs they've been on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love this conversation because for many different reasons, one, because it's, it's a chance where we see Pat and Tiffany really clicking. Yeah. Like they're really connecting with each other Two, It's just a hilarious conversation. Oh yeah. About psychiatric and antidepressant uh, medications. And three, because it sort of talks about, these medicines in an open way and sort of normalizes them a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah you know, I was on Effexor. Yeah. Have you ever taken Trazodone? Like, you know, all this. <laughs> I love that. You know, the names from working in a pharmacy. I used to work in a pharmacy. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I was going to try to like explain a line, but I'm like, no, I'm not going to get any of the names. Right. Yeah. Effexor, Clonopin, Trazodone. I think the big ones that they I mentioned. Remember they're like, oh, Clonopin. Yeah. Trazodone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also love it too, because this whole time, uh, Ronnie and Veronica have been trying to get them to connect with like all these other their little interests that they yeah, have. And yeah, and then suddenly like they medication. Bond over like, medication. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then Tiffany uh, makes Pat walk her home. Yeah. And when they and she lives with her parents. Yes. Uh, ever since her husband Tommy has died, mm-hmm. and this is where we get a scene where Tiffany's like, "Listen, I hate that you wore a football jersey to dinner." But if you turn the lights off, you can fuck me. Yeah. And it goes down the same way in the book and in the mm-hmm. movie. And Pat is very confused because he's like, I'm married. Like, I'm trying to get back with my wife. And Tiffany's like, I'm also married. Uh, in that way where she's like, yeah, you're about as married as I am. Yeah. <laughs> and in the movie, we get a great blunt Pat line where he's like, yeah, but he's dead. That's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's sweet. In the book, Um she starts crying and kind of like he hugs her and then he starts crying too. And they Mm -hmm. both kind of like cry together and then they just part ways. Uh, in the movie, it's a little different. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence starts crying. Uh, he kind of hugs her and he's like very confused about what's happening. And then she pulls away from him and then slaps slaps him him (laughs) and then walks away. (laughs) And he's like, what the fuck? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, this triggers when in the movie when Pat goes home and there's a yeah. similar scene in the book at a different point. at a different point. Yeah. Um, he goes home and he starts kind of freaking out a little bit. Yeah. Because he's kind of being confronted with this fact that he's not married, really. You know, Nikki, his wife isn't around. Yeah. And that's kind of been challenged for the first time, really. Yeah. And he's trying to find his wedding video and he wakes up his parents in the middle of the night and he's starting to freak out. And, you know, running around and he accidentally in this moment uh, hits his mom. Yeah. Like kind of accidentally elbows her in the head. And she goes down. Mm -hmm. And then his dad jumps on top of him and just starts beating the shit out of him, just starts punching him in the head. Yeah. Uh, The movie captures and this is where like the director, David or Russell, is at his height. Oh, yeah. Just this crazy family like combusting cluster fuck yeah. uh you know where uh you know robert de niro is on top of bradley cooper punching him in the head and bradley cooper is just like sobbing at this yeah. point yeah and he, then his mom is like trying to get 
the dad mm-hmm. off of Pat, and she's crying. And and then there's this random kid who keeps showing up at their door, yeah. asking to interview Pat for like a high school project about on like health. on mental health. And then the police show up, and mm-hmm. just the way the camera, I, I like the cinematography. Yeah, in David O. Russell's movies a lot. It's it's all handheld for the most part, and it's almost documentary style in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, there's kind of an interesting fascination with hands in the movie yeah where sometimes the camera will just pan down to the hands of the person and then back up to them and it's kind of one of those moments where the camera almost uh has a mind of its own yeah you know what i mean it's kind of this independent movement that you know you're as the audience are drawn to uh but you know that that kind of camera work works so well in scenes like this yeah where it's just hectic and crazy mm-hmm. and it's just david or russell doing what he does best and you can feel it you can feel the tension and the stress and the whole thing that's happening and there's great music in that yeah scene led zeppelin too. i forget the song specifically but yeah this led zeppelin song that plays it's throughout going and it's just very intense um and yeah it's is i would say it's the worst incident in both the book and in the movie yeah um because pat accidentally hurts his mother and then his dad kind of beats him up and it's just like pat feels really awful about what he did to his mom but he's also mad at his dad and it's just like it's really hard on him because he's trying to be better and yeah like the worst that he gets i think in the whole story Mm -hmm. and at this point it's worth mentioning too that up until now in both versions pat hasn't really been taking his medication yeah He's been kind of either ignoring it outright or has been taking half of it. Yeah. Like kind Mm -hmm. of cheeking the pills and spitting them out later. Yeah. So he isn't where he should be in terms of his medication and how he's handling everything. Yeah. And this is a turning point, I think, in both stories where he starts taking his medication. And he talks with Dr. Patel about this, Mm -hmm. you know, and he tells him, like, you need to take all your medication and like we're not going to be able to solve this. If you keep having outbursts like this, like you're going to have to go back to, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever facility you were in. Um, and there's also, um, (laughs) I don't think we've talked about this yet, but, um, that wedding song that was playing when his wife was cheating on him has become a trigger for him. And it's in this way in both, uh, the movie and in the book. In the book, it's uh, Kenny G's Songbird. It's yeah. Just like a sax solo. Or, <laughs> is it even a saxophone? It's I a saxophone. What it's yeah. a uh, soprano sax. Okay. And uh, in the movie, it's... Uh, uh, Stevie Wonder. It has like a French name or something, like okay. something amour. Yeah. And yeah, in the book, though, it's very funny because we don't know the inciting incident yet yeah. about what drove him to the psychiatric hospital and so all we know is that he's terrified of Kenny G. Yeah. The the saxophonist. <laughs> and the song. Yeah. And he like actually hallucinates that incident with the fight and everything. Mm-hmm. It started in the book because he was hallucinating about Kenny, Kenny G. G. Mm-hmm. Like him standing over him at night in bed, like playing the saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> it's very dark in a lot of ways, yeah, but it's very but funny. funny. Yeah. And they and he talks with his therapist, you know, about needing you know, strategies to deal with when these triggers come up. And uh, this is another really great part where I'm like, oh, this is like so important to talk about, like that certain things can be triggering and can bring on these episodes of either manic, depressive or um, violent behavior. Yeah. And that you need to have like ways to cope, like multiple ways to cope with something like this. Um, 
And you see that Pat throughout the book and the movie kind of does a variety of different things to try to deal with stuff. Um, he works out, yeah. he runs, um, and he also does this thing where he hums a single note <laughs> and clears his mind for like 10 seconds. It's almost like a mini meditation thing yeah. technique where he just tunes out whatever anyone is saying for like 10 <laughs> seconds. It's pretty great. It is. And his doctor's even like wow that's a pretty good way of like disarming people if like yeah. a situation's heated because mm-hmm. it's very strange it's a strange thing to do but he like likes it yeah yeah i i, I enjoyed uh pat's ways of managing mm-hmm. with things and trying to like get out of those situations sometimes he literally just runs away yeah there's a really sad scene in the book and and I do like in the book, too, it deals a lot with people's perceptions of mental health. Yeah. And kind of the way they talk down on Pat for, you know, taking medication or... Seeing a therapist. Yeah. I mm-hmm. really like the book delves into these areas a lot. And I yeah. think it's really... I, I really enjoyed this. There's a scene in the book where they go to the beach. And with Ronnie and with Veronica. Ronnie, Veronica, and then their daughter, Emily. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Pat takes Emily out into the ocean to swim yeah. when Veronica's gone and Ronnie's asleep. And so they're out in the ocean swimming, and like Pat is enjoying it so much because yeah. Emily's cute and she really likes Pat. Mm-hmm. And they're just having a really sweet time, and he's like so happy from it. And then he hears this like shouting and yelling, and Veronica's running at them, yeah. like from across the beach. And so he comes back in from the the water and she's freaking out and you know clearly like this veneer of oh we're friends with pat yeah. and we'll have him around and we'll call him uncle pat Has to emily shattered. yeah yeah it's just torn away and we realize that veronica's actually scared of pat in mm-hmm. a lot of ways and doesn't trust him and doesn't trust him with yeah. her child and she's like why did you take her out to the ocean? Like, how could you do this? And then she's yelling at her husband being like, how could you fall asleep and leave him alone with her? Like, you know, it's just really sad. And Pat is very crushed and he can feel himself getting upset and really angry. So instead of engaging in this screaming and confrontation that's happening, he literally just starts running and he just runs. And then Tiffany kind of runs with him and they both kind of run together on the beach for a while and then come back. And, uh, yeah, I think it, it works. Yeah. It, it's, it's sad. It's but. such a sad scene, but I do love the way the book, like I said, shows people's perceptions of Pat and just mental health in general. Yeah. Um, around this time too, just want to mention super briefly. Um, but in the book, Pat's mom and dad are kind of having marital problems right now, which Mm -hmm. is actually, I think, really tough on Pat to be home during this time because with all the stuff that's going on with him, he also has his parents like fighting. Um, We talked about Pat's dad and how he's basically a shit. Um, But Pat's mom basically is like, I've had enough. I'm not going to cook for you, clean for you, whatever anymore. If you're not even going to talk to me or spend time with your family, like that's not okay. And so she kind of like goes on strike uh, mm-hmm. it's a wife strike. <laughs> um, and they end up making up later, but it's just like really sad to me because her demands for, to end the strike are just that the dad eat dinner with the family, yeah. ask Pat questions and like go on walks with them and like kind of just spend time with mm-hmm. his family and with her. And it's really sad that she has to do that and yeah. that he 
And they make up and he agrees to her demands, but then eventually stops doing them. Yeah, he just kind of falls back into his old ways. And by the end of the book, he he doesn't seem to have made any progress. And it's really sad. And I feel so bad for Pat's mom because Mm -hmm. she's stuck in this abusive situation. Yeah, it's it's very sad. And a key difference between the book version of the character, the dad, and the movie version is uh, in the book... When he is talking to Pat and asking questions, it's all about football. Yeah. And that's the only way he's connecting with him. In the movie, it's clear that uh, he wants to talk to, he wants to watch the games with Pat and talk about football. And there's even a scene and it's so sweet when like um, his dad sits down with him. Yeah. And is talking about like, you know, I want to watch the games with you because I want to talk to you. Yeah. And I want to like. Us to have time together. Yeah. And to be able to discuss things and like talk about things like. Not just football, but yeah. like, you know, and and Robert De Niro cries in this scene. Yeah. And it's so like touching and sweet. And, and he, he says too, like, maybe I didn't spend enough time with you as a kid and I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, kind of like apologizing if he had been a distant father in the mm-hmm. past and it shows that he really wants to make things work now. Yeah. He's, he's trying his best and really reaching out. So mm-hmm. yeah, to... There's similars, similarities between the two versions, but pretty drastically different. Yeah. You know what's sad is that um, Pat's dad in the book kind of reminds me of uh, my grandpa. Oh, yeah. Who he just like never wanted anything to do with like anyone. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't really talk to anybody. Just sat in front of the TV by himself and like expected my grandma to like serve him food and just like be his like house slave basically it's just sad because it just you know like it makes me sad to think of pat and also pat's mom you know having to live with someone like that and loving them but also getting nothing in return yeah and clearly it's like they must have been a different person at one point yeah you know for them to have fallen in love and gotten married Mm -hmm. and it's just sad that like for whatever reason like That person is out of reach. Yeah, they just kind of like settled and like became reliant and just closed off emotionally. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's it's sad because it it happens in real life. It happens to people. So, yeah. Anyway, (laughs) let's talk about Tiffany some more. Yep. And their uh, diner date. So they have a dinner date with Ronnie and Veronica and then they go on a diner date at a diner. Yes. Where and they share raisin bran. Pat is like, I don't want it to be a date, so I'm going to order raisin bran. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're having raisin bran, and they're just they're they're talking. Mm-hmm. And this is where we find a little bit out about Tiffany in the book or in the movie. Yeah. Where we discover that after her husband died, uh, she started sleeping with a lot of people. Yeah. Specifically, people who she worked with. And easy access, easy access (laughs) and people she worked with started fighting each other over like because they found out like, oh, you're sleeping with her. I'm sleeping with her. Yeah. And, you know, so she got fired because of that. And then that's when she got put on like antidepressants and medication. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that was kind of the beginning of her current situation with where she ended up. Um, So that's kind of discussed in this diner. She opens up to him about it. Yeah. And we also discover, I think in both versions, she talks about how she still sees Nikki, his ex-wife, sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Kind of offers to go between them mm-hmm. and maybe get a letter to Nikki. Because, like, there's a restraining order. 
So they can't, he can't contact, Pat can't contact Nikki. Yeah. But if he gave a letter to Tiffany and Tiffany got the letter to Nikki, then like that might work. Mm -hmm. So she kind of brings this up and offers it. Um, The diner scene is really great in a lot of ways because um, we get to see more of Tiffany and like what she's thinking about, what she's gone through, et cetera. But she has some great lines in this because, you know, she talks about, you know, this promiscuous behavior that was obviously a result of uh deep emotional distress um and pat in the movie anyways like super kind of like titillated by it you know it's like a sexy story she had sex with everyone in her office you know he's into it and then he kind of makes this comment to her that is sort of demeaning towards her and she's just like what do you think that i'm you think that i'm crazier than you yeah pat in the movie, in the book, Pat is so empathetic. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so he, from the beginning, understands, like, Tiffany and where she comes from. Yeah. And is very empathetic towards her. And he hears about uh, her past from Ronnie. Yeah. And even, and in fact, is like, you know, Ronnie really is dismissive of her and kind of was slut-shaming her never brought up her point of view, what she was going through. And so I didn't like take it to heart because Ronnie clearly wasn't. And we don't fully hear the story. No. All we hear is like Ronnie says some, Ronnie talks to me about something that, you know, got Tiffany fired. Um, And even as he says it, I know that he's not telling me the whole story and he's not telling me about what really was going through Tiffany's mind and what she was feeling. So it's kind of cool that he immediately is like, He's telling me this, but I know that I'm not getting the full picture. Yeah, yeah, because her perspective matters so much in this story. Mm-hmm. In the movie, though, Pat's a little more um, judgmental. Judgmental, yeah, and slut shaming. Slut, definitely slut shaming in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he clearly thinks that Tiffany's crazier than him. Yeah, and <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence just this scene she. Like, she's like, because I'm just the crazy slut with a dead husband. And she, like, swipes everything off the table table. and, like, storms out. And people in the diner are, like, cheering. They're applauding her as she, like, goes away. Yeah. And he goes after her. And then they end up having this fight in public. And all this stuff goes down. Um, Eventually, they they do, like, kind of make up. They reconcile. They reconcile. And she says, I'll I'll get a letter to Nikki for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this... She changes her mind a little bit later. Yeah. She realizes, like, I do things for people all the time and don't get what I need. So here's the deal. And this, uh, the way it comes about in the book's a little different, but the agreement is the same. That if Pat does this dance competition with her, Mm -hmm. that she's, uh, you know, has coming up, that she will get the letter to Nikki. But only if he commits to it. And learns this routine and dances with her in this competition. Yeah. And doesn't like go to Eagles games instead of yeah. practicing with her and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, this is actually a pretty brief portion of the book. It becomes yeah. like the biggest plot point in the movie is it's this like, dance it's competition. It's the climax of the movie. Yeah. Um, but there's like, you know, a ton of scenes of them learning how to dance with each other in both the book and the movie. Um there's this great part where uh, Pat's friend Danny shows up in the yeah. movie. 
Pat uh, has this friend, Danny, who in the book, he always calls him my black friend, Danny, which like kind of annoyed me a little bit. Yeah. Like, he always is saying like my black friend, Danny, my black friend, Danny. I'm like, is this because you have one black friend, Pat? Like, <laughs> It is. It absolutely is. Uh, in the movie, he's a little bit more of a character, which is cool. He's played by Chris Tucker. Yeah. And uh he keeps showing up in different circumstances. Like I got out of the hospital. Just kidding. I'm going back. Now I'm out again. <laughs> yeah. But he shows up, uh, to give Pat and Tiffany dance advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, the whole, my black friend, Danny thing, it didn't bother me too much in the book only because, uh, Pat is so childlike Yeah. in the book. And this is almost like, like if a kid, you know, who grew up in like a white neighborhood or something yeah. like you know became friends with someone who's black and it's like oh my god there's things like about having a black friend that I never knew and like yeah you know what I mean and it's kind of like he's like woke now almost but not really yeah um but like I guess it's just Pat's uh innocence and like nothing he says is ever like offensive offensive really, really. it's just like put not in the way most people would phrase it. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose. So it, it did get a little old, but I was much more like, eh, you know. Yeah. It, it's it's through the context of this specific character, it didn't bother me too much. But I love Chris Tucker in this movie though. He's, really He's funny. so funny mm-hmm. as Danny. And I love the scene where he comes to dance with them. Yeah. <laughs> telling telling Pat to black it up as yeah. he's like dancing. Uh yeah. Uh but in the so the book uh, let's just kind of like, I guess, push through to the end of the story. The, in the endings book. are kind of intertwined slash separate enough that it'd be confusing for us to discuss them at the same time. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the book ending. Yeah. So in the book, um, Tiffany will only give the letter to Nikki like once the dance is done. Yeah. So we kind of speed through them working on this dance, like kind of coming closer together through this process. We actually get like a movie montage in the book. In the book. (laughs) Of just like paragraph, like individual paragraphs explaining. Of them training. Training, working out, like him not going to Eagles games. Like I literally liked this part. I did too. I thought it was effective. Yeah. I thought through the character of Pat, like it made sense that he's visualizing it as a movie montage and it Mm -hmm. also helped to read it that way. Uh, but then they do the dance, which, uh, the dance is, uh, part of this organization called dance away depression. Yeah. And once they get there, Pat realizes that all the other contestants are teenagers. (laughs) And And Tiffany's (laughs) like, don't let them fool you. (laughs) They're all vipers, (laughs) (laughs) but they do their dance. And it turns out that their dance is choreographed to total eclipse of the heart, which is great. I loved it. I was here for it. Um, but it goes really well and they do super great. And Pat is like, oh, did we win? And Tiffany's like, oh, I lied about it being like an actual competition. Like nobody wins. It's just like for fun. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted you to take it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So she's really happy with how he danced. And so she's like, I'll get you the letter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's he's clearly won her over now. Yeah. So from here... Pat finally has this open line of communication with Nikki. And then the book is just kind of a series of letters back and forth between Pat and Nikki. And Nikki in the letters is sort of like, I mean, I'm glad you're doing better, but we had problems even before I cheated on you. And I'm sorry about that, but like, it's not going to happen. We're not going to get back together. Pat being like, 
no, I believe that we can make it work. Like I believe in silver linings. I believe in happy endings. And then it's sort of this back and forth until Nikki's just like, I can't talk to you anymore. Yeah. The level of Pat's delusion becomes really clear at this point because she's like, you know, back off. Like I wanted to be nice about this. And she says that she's remarried. Yeah. She's remarried Mm -hmm. and I wanted to give you closure, but I'm not here to like get back together with you. Yeah. And Pat on the other hand is like, yeah, but also I believe in happy endings and you are my happy ending. So yeah, you know, uh, this kind of culminates with him wanting to meet with her and kind of demanding that they meet. And so they, he tells her, I'll be at the place where you proposed, where I proposed to you. Meet me there. Mm-hmm. He goes there and who shows up but Tiffany. Yeah. And at this point, she admits that she wrote the letters mm-hmm. and that she did it because she thought it would help him get over things with Nikki and to get closure and stop being so delusional. But of course, that is not a healthy thing to do to someone who has delusions. Yeah. <laughs> it's really it's bad. It's not good. Poor move, Tiffany. And Pat freaks out runs away and then ends up kind of lost in a neighborhood, gets mugged and kind of beat up, breaks his leg. <laughs> yeah. kind of <laughs> A lot happens out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, and then he ends up like running into Danny. Yeah. Cause he, and it is established as he's going to this area. It's like, Oh yeah. I remember Danny said his aunt lived here and he was mm-hmm. going to stay with her when he got out. So when he does run into Danny, it's a little less out of nowhere, but yeah. it is kind of this like funny, oh, funny, almost divine intervention kind of thing. Yeah. And so Pat, you know, his leg is broken. He's very depressed because he knows that Nikki has not contacted him when he thought that she was. There's no chance of them getting back together um, and he can't run and work out like he used to all that stuff. Um, and then eventually. uh Tiffany writes him a letter and kind of sends it to him and basically kind of explains herself and really apologizes for what she did. And also, um, she talks more about what happened with her at her job. Yeah. And so, you know, with sleeping with everyone and talking about how when Tommy died, she felt really guilty because, you know, she had told him that she wanted to like slow down with sex or because they weren't having as much sex. And, he was really hurt by that and then he died and so she felt like she needed to have sex in order to like connect with Tommy again yeah it was really interesting and really sad and she openly admitted that when she had sex with people she was just pretending that she was having sex with her husband Uh, I know it's, it's really sad yeah and you know back to that like point of empathy you know like Oh, it seems like she's just crazy and sleeping with everyone, but like not even considering where that's coming from, like what her mindset is, Mm -hmm. what she's going through. So I did like getting that backstory and we do get that backstory too in the movie. There's a good scene when they're preparing the dance Mm -hmm. and in order to, for Tiffany to get Pat to emote more, she tells him about how her husband died and that kind of backstory about how he bought lingerie for her to spice things up and they mm-hmm. found it in his car. Um, and she tells him like, that's a feeling. Yeah. I really like that scene. I mm-hmm. thought they did a really good job of translating it to the movie. Yeah. Um, so then Pat and Tiffany meet up and basically they kind of make amends with each other. Pat forgives her. 
And there's a sweet scene where they kind of lie together in like the snow. Yeah. <laughs> and he also tells her too that he asked his brother to take him to see Nikki. Yeah. Um, and that he kind of spied on her. He didn't approach her, or talk to her, but kind of watched as she like kind of made a snowman, you know, with her new husband yeah. and her two kids and that he felt like she was happy. And that was like, he was finally able to let go. Yeah. Yeah. Just seeing her, even though it was creepy and like yeah. an invasion of like the restraining, the restraining order. <laughs> order and just personal boundaries. Mm-hmm. It did give him closure, which is good and important. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just, told her like i'm ready to move on with my life because that part of my life is over now Mm -hmm. and yeah and it's kind of a sweet ending yeah and they like kiss each other and stuff it's cute icky stuff (laughs) let's go back to the movie (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah let's talk about the parlay yeah there's this scene and it is like masterfully done Mm -hmm. i'll say where it's the setup for the third act where the dad, the Pat's dad in the movie is like a bookie. Yeah. Or does he just place a lot of bets? He's a bookie. Okay, I yeah. thought so. But then mm-hmm. he has a bookie, essentially. Yeah. Okay, this other older guy. And he bet a ton of money that he's using to start a restaurant on this yeah. one game. And it ends up being the game that Pat gets, a fight, get, gets in a fight at in the yeah. parking lot. And so when they and come the back, Eagles the Eagles lose. And when he comes back, the dad's freaking out and he's pissed. He's like, you threw off the juju. You got in this fight. And Robert De Niro, once again, is so good because he's just freaking out. Yeah. Uh, and is like calling him a loser. And he's like so upset. And then <laughs> like his therapist is there with him because yeah. he was like involved in this fight. And his face is still painted and the brothers there and the other bookie and the mom. And then Tiffany shows up. Yeah. Because Pat missed their dance practice. And it's just all these characters in a room together. Mm-hmm. And the dad decides to. Th- there's so much information that kind of passes around and it's not worth like getting all into the interaction, but just the fact that like David O. Russell managed to choreograph this scene of dialogue oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and the information and Jennifer Lawrence just like commands the room. She kills it. Cause she explains how, even though she hates football, she knows exactly when the Eagles won and by how much each time that her and Pat were together. Mm-hmm. And so she connects every time that she and Pat are together with the Eagles and Philadelphia in general doing well. And so <laughs> the dad has to finally accept that Tiffany and Pat being together is good luck. So they should continue to do this dance competition thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I forget how it even comes about, but the dad is like, I'm going to bet I'm going to do double or nothing. Yeah, because the the game that he wants to bet on with the Cowboys is the night of their dance. Yeah. Their dance competition. So they'll be together. Mm-hmm. So suddenly the dad has all this confidence that they'll win. The energy is right. And his book, he's like, yeah, I like that. But also this dance competition. Tell Let's me more about, about that. that. <laughs> and so <laughs> they create the situation where not only do the Eagles have to win, but... Um, Pat and Tiffany have to get at least a five or higher in their dance competition. Yeah. And this a parlay. is a parlay. And this is such a ludicrous, ridiculous, like setup, contrived setup. Yeah. For this, cl- for this ending. Yet the scene 
is like done so well mm-hmm. that I'm like totally sold. Yeah, it works really well. I love it. I just like love Jennifer Lawrence circling the room with that <laughs> bottle of beer in her, her hands beer, yeah. and just schooling everyone. It's great. Mm-hmm. They eventually agree to this parlay, even though Pat's pissed about it. Um, but then when Pat is pissed about this whole thing happening, he kind of looks over the letter and realizes that some of the wording in the letter and some of the things that Jennifer Lawrence's character Tiffany says are similar. And he kind of figures out on his own that Tiffany wrote Nikki's letter. Yeah. And, you know, watching the movie, I kind of forget like what was said and how exactly Pat knew. Yeah. But it's just filmed so well where he's out there reading the letter and he looks back kind of quickly and the camera does this great push in, this mm-hmm. quick push in on Pat's face. And you just know that he knows you suddenly know putting it together. Yeah. You suddenly know all the information without even quite understanding it. You just Mm -hmm. know that Tiffany wrote the letter and now you know that Pat knows. Yeah. And it's really well done. And then we get to the dance competition. There's one other thing. One other small thing. Sorry. Where in order to get Pat to go, they say that Nikki's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Mm -hmm. sorry. Did you say that already? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) I suddenly worried I was repeating something. No. In order to get Pat go, they lie and tell him that Nikki's going to be there. So that's like the elaborate setup that brings us to the dance competition. And then they're at the dance competition, but despite them lying about Nikki showing up, Nikki actually shows up. (laughs) I don't know how this happens. It's not really explained. Uh, Ronnie and Veronica bring her. Um, I think they're convinced that like... I think Ronnie actually wants them to get back together. And yeah. he thinks that if Nikki sees him dance, that like that'll reignite their spark or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this upsets Tiffany because she's like, I don't want them to get back together because I'm in love with Pat. Um, so she's kind of like goes a little off the rails at, for a bit and is at, at the bar for a while. And then Pat has to find her, but he grabs her just in time. Yeah. But she's still upset because she thinks that Nikki's here and they're going to get back together. Um, but they do the dance. It's really cute and funny. The dance is great. Yeah. I, I love the dance so much. Like it goes through a few different songs mm-hmm. and this big move that we know that they've needed to practice. Yeah. Like it builds up to this move and it's so perfect <laughs> Because Jennifer Lawrence just has to jump on top of Bradley Cooper. And he's supposed to lift her up. Yeah. And she just, it's just her crotch right in his face. And it's really clumsy. Yeah. And it's so funny because everyone's kind of like, <gasps> But it's so funny. And she's like clutching his, his face and his head like trying to balance. It's like really uncomfortable. But Yeah. They do get their five. Yeah. Which is good. So the they win the bet. Um, but Pat goes over to talk to Nikki and when, uh, Tiffany sees this, she gets upset and runs away. Yeah. He kind of just totally like walks right past her towards Nikki. Yeah. And I I like the way it's filmed. Like we see like Tiffany's perspective and the scene of Pat talking with Nikki and we don't get the whole dialogue. We get a classic, um, Pat leans in and whispers something into Nikki's ear that no one can hear. But it's clear, like it's not romantic. He's. Saying something to her, and it seems like they're maybe on good terms now, like, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Um, But then he runs after Tiffany. And there's a little great mini moment where his dad 
kind of stops him and is like, you need to go after her. Like, yeah. go find her. She's good for you. Like, you should be with her and I love you. And it's really sweet. It's really sweet. I love, there's so many good scenes with uh, Robert De Niro in this movie mm-hmm. that I really enjoy. And that's one of them. And then he runs after Tiffany, finds her and hands her a letter. And she reads it. And it's addressed to her. And it's basically him saying, I know you wrote those letters from Nikki. Yeah. I love you. I'm sorry that I didn't tell you sooner, basically. Uh-huh. And it's really sweet. It's it cute. Is. And then they kiss. Yeah. And I, I love just going back to the cinematography real briefly. In the in this final scene, the camera pushes in on people's faces yeah so many times like the and if you don't like that's where it's not a zoom in but where yeah. the camera physically moves at someone's face and it does that like i swear to god a hundred times <laughs> in this finale just like on this person on this, on this person, person on that now here and there and but it never gets old i love it mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is about that like energy and then when they kiss at the end there's this great shot of they're like in this empty street. Yeah. And the camera must have been on like a car or something and they just drove it away. So it just pulls away. Yeah. This yeah. really fast pullback like down this like Christmas lit street because we're in Christmas time now. Yeah. I love that shot like That's sticks shot. in my head. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just it's like the shot that I remember when I think of this movie. It's yeah. very iconic in a lot of ways. Something we didn't mention is all the good songs in the movie. Too. Oh, my God. Yeah. It has a killer soundtrack. Uh, I wrote down. So we mentioned the Led Zeppelin song. Yeah. In that crazy scene. But then there's um, a couple Alabama Shakes songs. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure there's one song with Johnny Cash. Yeah. There's the Black Keys. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a White Stripes song during their dance routine. Yeah. Uh, David O. Russell tends to pick a lot of good music in his movies. Yeah. And this is maybe my favorite movie for music of his. It's really good. It's excellent. Uh, and then we just get a little closing scene where Pat's talking about Sunday being his favorite day again. Yeah. And Tiffany being there in the house when it's like game day, they're all watching football in the house. His family's there. His friends are there. It's just sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And they make out in front of everyone weirdly. I know. It's strange. On the couch, on the you chair. Make out in front of your parents. It's weird. I don't know. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of where both stories lead off. Mm-hmm. Similar yet different. Yeah. What was better? Uh, which one was better? You know, I, I, it's really hard for me because there are things that I like about both of them. Yeah. Like, I think um, Pat can be, I don't know. It, it's it's confusing for me. <laughs> I don't know. I. You, you go. Okay. So I love, I think the book does, even though the movie does a good job of depicting uh, mental illness and like, treating it in a healthy way uh i think the book does even better i think the book handles those issues really really well Mm -hmm. uh kind of shines kind of shines a light on them and pat as a character is maybe more interesting in the book to an extent because it really brings up this idea of he's trying to be healthier but do you have to be crazy in order to be this positive, be this positive and try to be living. Cause like even his working out yeah. is almost obsessive. It is. He talks about working out 10 hours a day. It's like insane. Yeah. yeah. So I, I do like that dynamic in the book a lot is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yet the movie 
Oh, there's so many good performances in it. The actors are really good. I think Tiffany is a little bit more of a character in the movie. Yeah. She's just in more scenes. So I like that. Um, and I do like the scenes with Pat and showing his bipolar um, behavior. I think they did really well with that. Kind of showing his manicness, mm-hmm. um, his delusions, etc. Yeah, paranoia. Br- Bradley Cooper did such a good job yeah. um, with that role. And I love... The character of the dad so much more in the movie. He's so much more interesting than yeah. just the removed dad of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe like slightly the movie. I'm gonna say slightly the movie too. But the book is really good. It is. It's. I was very shocked by how much I enjoyed the book. Yeah. Um. But the movie, I can just kind of. There's a lot of craft in the movie. Yeah. Beyond just the story. Mm-hmm. There's the story, there's the performances, there's the music, there's the cinematography. Yeah. You know, there's a lot. And this is a movie that balances drama and comedy and romance yeah. really well. Like it, it juggles a lot of tones, but yeah. it feels really and it, It's fluid. not too cheesy. Either. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm going to say movie. I'm kind of just deciding this now. I'm going to say slightly the movie, but I, there are certain things that I like better in the book. It's just kind of a little bit of a toss up it is you know some things are better in one or the other Mm -hmm. i I guess i just tend to gravitate towards the movie just naturally i guess yeah yeah movie movie but read the book do both (laughs) (laughs) why not both (laughs) lightning round lightning round okay so first thing for lightning round in both the book and the movie pat's mom talks about making food for the games uh, she makes crabby snacks and homemades. Yeah. And I actually think only the homemades were in the movie. I think right? so too. Yeah. She talks about the crabby snacks and how they're like some kind of crab meat biscuit thing. Yeah. Um, but in the movie, I'm like, what are homemades? Like, what are homemades? <laughs> and then we finally looked it up and it's like beef with like breadcrumbs or something. And then fried. And then fried. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you call those homemades? What? I don't know. It's very confusing. No one knows what they are. Apparently, a lot of people thought like, oh, that must be like a Philadelphia thing. Uh-huh. And then people in Philly are like, no, we don't know what the fuck we she's talking no about. We have no idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in, the, um, in the book, we get a little backstory on Danny. So because that was a specific like mental hospital with people with head trauma. Yeah. In the movie, in the, yeah, in the movie, Danny's just like OCD and I think something else. Yeah. Uh, but in the book we find out that danny was a rapper Uh (laughs) and then like because he was uh setting up shows like not on his turf uh guys like attacked him and Mm -hmm. like hit him on the head and then threw him in the harbor yeah and then like luckily someone found him and they pulled him out but like he had to have surgery and he was like dead for a couple minutes or something yeah Yeah. (laughs) this was where i was a little bit like Okay. This is a little crazy. This is a little over the top and like kind of racist. Yeah, like, like he was a rapper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, the one black character in the story was like a rapper and like kind of a gangster or something. Like yeah. it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's this great plot point that happens in the book where 
Uh, Pat's mom, you know, kind of goes on strike and she is like, I'm not going to take this behavior anymore. Like I've been talking with a friend and we, she's been telling me to like be strong and that I need to stand up for myself. And then at the end of the book, you find out that this person that's been hanging out with Pat's mom has been Tiffany the whole time (laughs) (laughs) and how she just originally tried to get Pat's mom drunk to get her information on Nikki. So she could like write that letter for Pat. But then she just started to become friends with Pat's mom and like try to help her. And now they just hang out. (laughs) I know. It was great. Which is why like even after Tiffany did that shitty thing, Pat's mom was still kind of like on her side, on her side a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of uh, Pat's mom in the movie, uh, I forgot. I forget the actress's name who plays Pat's mom. Anyway, they're filming the final scene, the dance Mm -hmm. competition scenes. And they're doing the part where the judges are giving their scores. Yeah. So it's like 4.8, 4.6, 4.7, then whatever the fifth one was, 5 point whatever. And I guess she was sitting there and doing the math in her head. And she's like, I'm not great at math, but I don't think that averages out to five. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so after they filmed it a couple times, she like went up to the director or a producer and told them. And they like did it on a calculator. They're like, oh, my God. (laughs) So basically, she saved the movie. Yeah. From a grievous math error. (laughs) (laughs) Although, you know, in the movie, when they revealed that fourth number. Yeah. That is like the five point whatever that they needed. They don't actually show the judge doing it. Yeah. Which felt weird. It did feel weird because it's like they show the other three and then off camera, they mention, oh, and a 5.4. Yeah. I'm like, that seems like anyone who's at least doing some kind of math in their head knows it has to be over a five and that's kind of exciting. Yeah. Why didn't they show it and it'd be like, I'm convinced that like maybe she didn't tell them till after they shot those and they had to do that like in post-production or something. Maybe. Like add the announcer just saying the right number. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's my theory. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that wraps it up for lightning round. Yep. What a a time. And just for Silver Linings Playbook in general. Yeah. This was good. Yeah. I was was so happy that the book was good. Yeah. It was kind of a, you know, both copies we got had the movie cover on it. Yeah. So I don't think it was that popular of a book before it was the movie. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was really good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was really fun. Great topic, I think, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dealing with mental health, something that we talked a little bit about in the past, but yeah. Uh, was good to talk about again. A little again. bit more positive than uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's oh Nest. <laughs> yeah. Also, just less racist and sexist. Yeah. And all the above. <laughs> uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Cover Two Credits. That's the number two. Find us on Gmail. Uh, find us, you know. <laughs> you know, on Gmail. On G on the Gmail. <laughs> if you want to email us, we are uh, Cover to Credits Pod at Gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you want to send us recommendations or your thoughts on Silver Linings Playbook or other episodes, uh, we're always happy to do them. We love hearing suggestions and what you're interested in. Yeah, and uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Yep. We're also on Patreon if you'd like to support us. Um, it does cost some money to do stuff, and we appreciate any support that you guys can give to us. We have a special... Um, podcast that we release every month for our patrons and we have some other content going on there so yeah uh please connect with us or if you can leave us a review on itunes that would be really appreciated always really helpful an itunes review even if it's just a quick star rating Mm -hmm. really helps boost us in itunes yep i think that's it for today so thanks for listening yep 
and tune in next week. No, next episode. Next episode. <laughs> God damn it. Tune in next episode where we'll be talking about Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Woo. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>